Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Code Concepts with myself, Rachel Patterson, and Pete Roquet, who is unavailable to be with us today, but sends his love. Um, so good morning on this glorious Friday, February 18th. Um, as always, Pete and I try to bring you some great guests with some very relevant information to our industry. And I, today does not uh, disappoint. We have an even more special guest with us. So I want to kind of get a little bit of information from you, sir, but I want to introduce you first and foremost as Mr. Tony Escamilla. Um, he's the proud founder and owner of Villa Home Inspections. So Mr. Escamilla, I know that you have a relationship with Pete. Um, he's not on here today, so it's just going to be you and I. Um, so I'd love to get Absolutely. to know you. Love to get to know you a little bit more. Um, but first and foremost, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the guests and let us know about you? Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, uh, my name is Tony Escamilla, and um, I am the owner of uh, Villa Home Inspections. I've been uh, in business for 23 years now. Uh, we inspect. Um, Single-family homes, uh, apartment buildings, uh, commercial. Uh, we do uh, sewer scopes. We do mold inspection. We do uh, moisture intrusion. Um, one of the other things that I do is that I uh, have a working relationship with a local city in which I am a code enforcement officer. And so I, uh, I'm a little bit on both sides of the, of the fence here is that I, I do um, – code-related uh, inspections in that capacity, and then a much more in-depth um, inspection uh, in my other capacity as a business owner. Awesome. So, so you're a multifaceted industry professional, for sure. Um, so <laughs> with your 23 years of experience, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in this uh, industry. Well, I got um, I, I got into the. You're gonna have to apologize. My dog uh, is is a little active. Um, somebody just walked in, and he'll be barking, so you might hear him occasionally. But, no worries at um, all. That's terrible. So, <laughs> anyways, yeah, I got into the business uh, 23 years ago. I, I had a construction background. I'm a licensed general contractor as well, and um, I. I I decided at, uh, that long ago that I was going to go back to school and uh, learn how to do construction inspection. So I went to a local community college here, PC PCC in Pasadena. They have a great construction inspection program, and it's all taught by uh, active or retired building inspectors, building officials, architects, engineers. And so went through that whole process, and I decided to go out on my own afterwards. And... Uh, I started my business and, you know, little by little, it, it, it grew over the years. And then when the market crashed in 2008, um, I, I just happened to be hired by a, by a local city. And I was the last person to get hired right before the market crashed. And so I've been with them ever since, uh, but I maintained my business over that, that, that uh, crash in, in the market. And then little by little, the business started coming back. I'm still working for the city. Um, I had to make a decision. What am I going to do? So I brought on help for my business. I have three other inspectors. I have a um, office assistant and I have a marketing person. And so I just mainly just managed that, but I'm still working for the city. And, and for the city, I do, um, you know, uh, 
primarily we do the complaint calls, uh, but I do primarily the housing inspections for okay. the city. So I'm I'm doing all of the uh, apartment buildings throughout okay. the city. So you say, you know, the housing inspections, so the interior home inspections, what are you looking for when you're doing those inspections on the city side? On the city side, we're doing, um, it, it, there's a, an ordinance that uh, requires all, uh, kind of like the city of Los Angeles has SCAP, um, we require all apartments to be inspected every four years. Okay. And so uh, we're, we're going in there looking for life safety issues, uh, overall maintenance of the building, smoke, carbon monoxide alarms, you know, make sure they have functional heat, hot water, um, that kind of stuff. And then, of course, overall maintenance of the exterior as okay. well. So do you see that transferring over, you know, into the code enforcement world with, um, you know, the junk trash litter, you know, how does that kind of uh, work in the city of Pasadena with basic nuisance violations to the more in extensive, you know, interior inspections like you're talking about? Well, for the city of Pasadena, like I said, we're just looking for those things that I just mentioned, uh, you okay. know, the, the basic uh, um, property maintenance and, you know, a lot of the, uh, you've probably seen this, a lot of the uh, the owners, unfortunately, even in a city like Pasadena, they uh, they do bare minimum. And, and I mean bare minimum. And they won't do anything for another four years until I come back. And so every chance that I get when I go in, I, I take a really close look and I, I make sure that they bring everything up to speed. But th those are inspections are a lot more limited than what I do on the home inspection side. Um, on the home inspection side, we dig deep into, because we have a lot more time, a lot more resources, and we dig deep into everything. We open up electrical panels, we check heaters, we climb inside attics, we get on top of roofs, we, we crawl under buildings or, or send a robot under uh, the building. Um, it, it's, it's a lot more uh, intense um, than the, um, the housing inspections like for the city of Pasadena. Makes sense. So, you know, we see a lot, you know, folks like yourself, um, Pete Roquet, Miss Cecilia Muela, you know, we, yeah. we start out on, on one side and find this bigger need. And it sounds like that's what you found was a bigger need. So talk a little bit more about your company. You know, we'll get back to the code enforcement side on Pasadena. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about your company and, and really, truly why you created this, why you started it. Um, I want to hear the passion and, and find out, uh, you know, all the good stuff on why you started this business. You know, they say if, uh, you know, I know this sounds really cheesy, um, but they say if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Um, 23 years later, I still enjoy, believe it or not, crawling under buildings, crawling inside attics, getting on top of roofs. Um, and you know, while I have my inspectors out there doing stuff, um, for example, when I leave here, uh, uh today, uh, I'm going to go do a sewer line inspection and, uh, it, I like it. It keeps me on my toes. Um, I, we inspect everywhere. What's different from working for a mun municipality that you're, you're limited in the geographical boundaries of where you are. Um, for my personal business, we go everywhere. And so I get to see all kinds of buildings, all ages, everything from the early 1900s to, you know, brand new construction, which I'm doing tomorrow. And I get to see everything from 
South Central Los Angeles to Bel Air. And it, so it's a, it's a huge scope of things. So the job is never boring. It's just never boring. And so, um, like I said, I started 23 years ago. I, I thoroughly enjoy what I do. Um, the company has grown exponentially in the, in the last few years and it's, been, it's continuing to grow. So, um, you know, I, I have a little bit of a balancing game going on between what I do for the city and, and, and what I do for myself, but it, I have the right people in the right places. So it gives me a lot of flexibility to, to do both. So Tony, um, uh, hi everybody. I'm <laughs> a little late to the show, but I'm here. Um, so, you know, in Pasadena, you have that quadrennial inspection program, which is yes. the, uh, the inspection every four years. And, you know, just seeing, um, you know, and in, in, in experiencing your code enforcement craft, you know, when you go out doing inspections, you know, and doing the, um, you know, people want to get these inspections because they want to make sure that their houses are uh, tip top condition or they want to report. When you see something, you know, when you're doing code enforcement, what is it that, you know, sometimes you see and you're like, you know, I, I know there's that balancing act of like, hey, maybe I shouldn't say anything. Maybe I should. You know, <laughs> how, how does that? How does that? Uh, how does that weigh on you sometimes? Uh, doing code enforcement, uh, particularly in in the housing section, I've, I've done for many years the what we call the property maintenance, which is, you know, all the complaint calls that come in. My neighbor built a fence, and you know, their tree is overhanging my property, and somebody's building something illegally, and. Um, I've handled a lot of those, and, and and they're a little bit different from what I'm currently doing, which is the housing inspection, because you would think that a city like Pasadena doesn't have any slumlords, um, but surprisingly, there are some really bad properties, and thankfully, not a whole heck of a lot, but I've had two go into prosecution uh, in the next couple of weeks, and um, it's, you, know, you, you walk in to do this inspection, and... You know, you know this as professionals, you walk in and do this uh, inspection and, and you keep a, a straight face. You know, certain things that you can't say while you're there, even though you'd love to. And in, in, in the back of my mind, it's screaming like, really, dude, really? It's like, <laughs> um, you know, I, I walked into apartments that are missing windows, you know, all together. It's like completely open to the outside. Um, that have no heat, uh, that the ceiling uh, is collapsing um, because there's been plumbing leaks from above. Um, and that's one of the guys who's, who's going to go to prosecution soon. Um, sewer, sewer, sewage leaks um, outside. And, uh, you know, you have to be, you still have to maintain your professionalism mm -hmm. and, uh, and keep a straight face and then just go, go do your job and, and document and, and move the case forward. The difference between that and what I do for uh, for my personal business is that in the capacity of a code enforcement officer, I can make them do these things. Um, in, in the capacity as a, as a home inspector, it really depends on what side of the transaction you're on. Uh, if you're on the buyer's trend side of the transaction, they want you to find every last little thing so that they can negotiate a, a lower price on the property. If you're on the seller side, um, they don't want you to find as much, uh, but I've done inspections for probate. I've done inspections for divorces. Um, I've done inspections for insurance companies. Yeah. 
Wow. So one of the, um, so you are certified in, you know, there is residential inspections and stuff like that. So, you know, and, and a lot of cities don't require any type of uh, certifications, but I, I know you're very a certified person, you know? Uh, so uh, what, one of the things that, you know, you see in, in the home inspection business that would help other code enforcement officers in the normal capacity, what are some things that you'd say would, benefit code enforcement officers to learn a little bit more, you know, whether it's electrical or plumbing or what is something that you think code enforcement officers could benefit from, from, you know, the things that you inspect uh, versus, you know, their regular nor normal jobs. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I, I am, uh, I am ICC certified as a residential and commercial building inspector and I have the housing and property maintenance uh, certification as well. Um, and uh, it, it surprises me how many cities have no requirements at all for certification um, for code enforcement officers, um, particularly those type of certifications. Uh, KCL is a, a great organization and they do training for um, code enforcement officers. And what I experience um, is, you know, I went through it several years ago, is that you have all of the legalities of code enforcement and curtilage and privacy and you know all of these these things that you can cannot do and um, it surprises me the lack of technical um, education that is out there for code enforcement officers um, in answer to your question yes I believe plumbing electrical roofing structural a code enforcement officer should have an understanding of all the, the, the major systems uh, of a structure. Because when you walk in to do a code enforcement inspection, uh, you may not notice that there is an addition to the house that has been, that, that's unsafe. Uh, you may not notice that unless you have this technical uh, um, training that, uh, you know, the stairs that they added to the attic conversion from the outside are, are not properly built and potentially would collapse. Um, and so those are the things that I think code enforcement officers should have a, a, a better understanding so that they walk in they're they're safe and, and, you know, they can spot things that you normally wouldn't, wouldn't spot basically. Yeah, you make a great point. You know, it, it's very true in the code enforcement world. There's just not a lot of true technical training out there. So when you speak about that, that training and the importance of what you need to know, how do you relate that back to your business and training your new employees? You know, what do you find as the most crucial, um, important basics to start with when you're training your new employees? Um, when I'm training my new employees, we, we go through, there's, there's different certifications that you get to be home inspect, to be a home inspector. Um, we go through a, um, a trade organization called the National Association of Certified Home Inspectors. And they have a lot of good training, um, in-person and online training. So I have my guys start there and start doing the training. Some of them come with more experience than others. Um, and they start going through there and I, I make it a point to take them out on a field with me and it's not until I'm ready uh, to, to let them loose th that they'll, they'll go on on their own. And so they might be doing 20, 30, 50 inspections with me before uh, while doing the online and, and in-person training, in-class training before I'll let them loose to, to do an inspection on their own. 
Um, I do want them to, and I'm working on getting them their uh, ICC certification, at least for residential building inspection as well. That's great. That was going to be my next question, just to understand, you know, what certificates your people hold when you look yourself up online and you, um, you know, check out anything that has to do with you. You can certainly see the long list of certifications that you hold. So that's quite <laughs> awesome. Um, great. Yeah. Yeah. There's no requirement. It, you know, it, it's kind of sad, uh, but there is no requirement to be a home inspector in the state of California. Anybody can say I'm a home inspector and guess what? You're a home inspector. But if you want to be taken seriously, uh, out there and you don't want to be a, a walking lawsuit, um, you have to have the training and you have to have uh, the certification because the first thing that happens, and I've seen it because I've been uh, part of these uh, as an expert witness, um, when these guys get pulled into court and even as code enforcement officers, I, I've been in court and what's the very first thing that the uh, opposing attorney is going to ask you? is what your education is, what your training is, what your certifications are. Right. And uh, I, I wish they had a little bit more of that, uh, you know, on the home inspection side. And this is where I wish we had more of that technical training on the code enforcement side as well. Yeah, we agree, Mr. Escamilla. I mean, obviously everything that Pete and I, uh, Cecilia and Pete, everybody out there, we're really trying to get that information pushed out because you're right. There is nothing more important than that. And getting people to understand that, you know, these positions that maintain quality of life and building safety, they're just so important. And we need that technical training to back us up with what we're doing. Um, everybody can go to a code book and sometimes they say, you know, a monkey can can do code enforcement because you just have <laughs> Look, we we all know that that's not true. I mean, it takes a lot of interpretation and so on and so forth. So it's it's refreshing to see that you feel the same way. You know that that um, you want to boost that technical um, knowledge, and it really sounds like that's a lot of what you're doing with your company out there too. Yeah, I do it with my company. I'm, I'm you know sometimes I'm a little on the code enforcement side. I'm a little frustrated. Um, you know. Depending on which way the, the, the wind is blowing, sometimes it's like trying to push sand uphill. Um, but, you know, luckily we have some really good people and, and some good management, and they have been supportive in, in trying to get these, um, these uh, the advancement of education. Um, but, you know, circling back to what we're talking about is, you know, when you know, as a code enforcement officer, when the city is saying, okay, we're going to pay for this training. So you guys have to pick which training we're going to go. We have a limited budget. There's, you know, 14 of us in our department. Oh, wow. um, are we going to do um, KSU training or are we going to do ICC training? Mm -hmm. um, and so there is that gap in my opinion, with that, it, that technical training that we're talking about. If we can find a way to merge those and, um, you know, bring both sides together, uh, I think it would be beneficial for the industry in, as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, no, one of, one of the things that, you know, one of, one of the reasons why we brought you on, because, you know, the home inspection, um, you know, the actual inspection is a lot, a little bit more technical than a uh, code enforcement inspection. A lot of times we get those calls like, hey, uh, you know, I have a hole in my roof and you're, you're looking at it. And, you know, you as a home inspector could say, okay, that hole is caused because of a leak or because of this or because of that. 
where a normal code enforcement officer normally looks at them like, yeah, there's a hole there, let's get it fixed, but there's no, you know, reason why they're getting it fixed. Or, you know, there's a, you know, yeah, the, the, the wall is uh, bubbling, but why is it bubbling? You know, the, those are like, yeah. maybe you have a leak behind it, you know, th- those kind of things. And you can say, hey, we need to, you know, you need to fix that leak or, you know, kind of dwell down a little bit more on the source of the issue. Agreed. A hundred percent. I can't tell you how many times I go into these apartment buildings that I'm, uh, that, I, that I mentioned. And yeah, there's bubbling on the ceiling, there's stains, moisture stains on the ceiling. There's uh, a, a very obvious, uh, at least to me, uh, plumbing leak from the second story or a roof leak. Um, however, because as code enforcement, enforcement officers, we don't climb on roofs. Um, we can't see the condition of the roof. So what ends up happening is that in, in some cases, the, some of these uh, bad properties that we're talking about, uh, all I can call out is there's some moisture damage on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And they are, you know, when I come back, they patched it, they painted it. Uh, but guess what? Uh, three months later, when it starts raining again, the tenant calls us again. My roof is leaking. It's leaking again. So we, you know, the, uh, these property owners hit bare minimum code and okay the ceiling was pat was had some damage that's all you called out so we fixed the the uh the ceiling <laughs> never mind the roof that's you know in, in bad shape mm-hmm. um or the plumbing that caused it and you know the, the patch it and sure enough the, the the bathroom upstairs will continue leaking and, and it becomes a problem again yeah, we see that a lot, you know, just in the basic code enforcement I do. Um, my department covers dry rot or things of that nature where, you know, we don't have a whole lot of technical training on what is caused, you know, what causes that problem? What what happened with termite infestation? We know what caused that problem. But, um, you know, ultimately, it, like you said, it's the bare minimum because a lot of the times with code enforcement officers, we have to close a case out when we go to a piece of property that's public and we can see that the issue is no longer there, right? Now, whether that's the owner putting up a board, you know, covering (laughs) the dry rot. (laughs) Yeah. And that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Versus actually taking it out and taking care of it. So, you know, we do tend to see that a lot. That makes uh, perfect sense. So we got a good comment here from the audience and good morning to everyone joining us today. Um, This is from Miss Morris says home inspectors are so important. Absolutely. They really help the community when it comes to multi-housing buildings. Home inspections not only identify the issues, but also ensure the problem is fixed for the betterment of the renter. You know, that's a really good point that you make there, Ms. Morris, because again, what are we out here for? We're out here to improve, or in my my words, you know, enhance, create, and maintain quality of life and safety standards, right? Um, so we as code enforcement officers, yeah, we can come in and take care of that visual blight, um, but what it really sounds like is, you know, home inspectors sometimes can get into the the true, um, you know, nooks and crannies and the reasons why things are the way they are and create that lasting compliance, you know, effect versus a Band-Aid. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know, it, that, that, that broken window syndrome is that we have to stay on, on, on top of the little things, even though it might be a band-aid, but uh, it, it's very easy to see when you drive up on the property, whether I'm doing, um, you know, code enforcement or I'm doing home inspection. I drive up and you, I'm sure you've seen these, you walk up, you, you drive up and you haven't even got out of the car and you're like, oh, yeah, this is gonna be bad. <laughs> um, and those are the ones, you know, 
for better or worse, I, I, I built a little bit of a reputation in my department for, you know, being tough on, on, on landlords. And so uh, landlords typically don't like to see me coming. And, um, you know, I make sure that because we're only in there once every four years, that they, they bring it up to at least bare minimum on there because you know there's so many so many other buildings that we have to worry about that uh, i'm going to spend as much time on this building um if it's in bad shape as as needed the ones that are in better shape we're a little more lenient on because you know overall they're they're in good shape and you know that the management for that building is doing what they're supposed to as, be, as best they can and, and a lot better than most and so you know i i i, I tend to specialize on the ugly ones yeah, so you, you know, um, you know, it's funny in being in code enforcement, we get to see some of the cream of the crop. Uh, you know, uh, I would say slumlords out there. You know, we get to see some. Of them. They put band-aids on everything. Um, you know, and, and what are some uh, typical code enforcement things that you see out there? And you're like, hey, this could be fixed. This could be a long-term remedy if you do X, Y, or Z. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Sometimes you know, you, you have a leak, you know, and, and it's causing all sorts of bubble, like you said, bubbling and stuff like that. So what is something that you constantly see and say, hey, you know, if you fix this now, maybe it's not going to be an issue in the next the next four years when I come back. Right. Is there is there certain things that you see out there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, and, and, and this one happens to be across the board, whether it be code enforcement or uh, home inspection. In, in my experience, what causes most property maintenance issues is moisture. And um, moisture, uh, either the, the roof, lack of roof maintenance, um, which is so basic and so inexpensive, um, you know, sealing the flashings around the vent pipes, you know, sealing the wall connections to the roof, which takes 20 minutes, a little can of roofing tar and a spatula, um, it literally. And a lack of maintenance, and that, that tends to cause roof leaks, which cause more damage inside. Um, uh, lack of maintenance on roofies, for example. And this is where we get some of that termite, that rot damage that we're talking about, um, where the, the fascia boards start rotting out because they haven't been painted in a long time. And, and the water, there's no roof gutters installed, and the water is damaging the wood or carports in apartment buildings. Um, same thing. Uh, the, the roof hasn't been maintained in a while. Uh, you get termites on the bottom of the posts. Uh, you get termites on the beams up above. And these are the little things that, with regular maintenance, can be remedied literally in, in an, an hour on a weekend. And most people, unfortunately, don't do it, even on whether it be a home inspection or a housing inspection. Um, it, it's moisture is what causes a lot of, a lot of the damage that I see, um, moisture, improper site drainage where there's no roof gutters on, on the roof and the soil is sloped towards the building, whether it be an apartment building or a house, water's getting in under the house. Now you're talking about a, a long-term foundation damage. Now you're talking about, uh, fungus growth, uh, in the, uh, in crawl space. I had one just the other day. Um, where there was a good amount of fungus growing in the crawl space because there's so much humidity and not enough ventilation. So the tenants were uh, um, 
both had allergies and asthma and they were having issues uh, there. And this was, this was a private inspection. So I went in there with our indoor air quality um, sensors and we picked up all kinds of stuff. And so they reached back to the property management company who had to be, happened to be a big property management company right away. And they got an in-depth industrial hygienist out there. They did much more in-depth uh, um, testing and lab testing and that kind of stuff. And they pinpointed it, but uh, the, the, the point to my story is that it's lack of maintenance and moisture are the things across the board that, that cause things. And I try to, whether I'm doing a home inspection or I'm doing a, pro, uh, a housing inspection for the city, I try to educate the managers um, or, or the property owners and tell them, look, this is why it's important. Um, you know, if you do this here, you know, um, you know, you can prevent yourself from trouble down the road. Or sometimes I'll see something that's not a code violation quite yet. Um, I said, hey, you know, this, this is going to cause you problem down the road. So you might want to take care of it right now. And we're just going to be easy to take care of and, and, and not that expensive. Or, or I'll educate uh, managers, you know, in apartments and, you know, um, they have a, and I get it, and I, I'm I'm the bad guy around the summertime where everybody has a wall air conditioner in their window, or a window air conditioner, and there's only one window in the bedroom, and I have to tell everybody they have to remove them, and <laughs> I can just hear my ears ringing as I'm leaving. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a matter of educating educating people and just telling them, hey, look, this is why it's important, and this is why you should be maintaining these little things, or this is why you need to remove that air conditioner. Yeah, well, knowledge is power with everything we do, right? I mean, ultimately, you know, it's got to make you feel pretty darn good when you can walk into a situation such as what you talked about with the uh, mold in the crawl space where you 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 truly affected someone's quality of life, you know, something that they may not have known or understood what was affecting, you know, maybe an illness or, you know, exacerbating their um, asthma or, or whatever health issues that they had. But that has to make you feel pretty good that not only are you going in there and, you know, um, making the home safer and better, but you did something for those people. I mean, knowledge is just power. So that's awesome. Now, one of the things, uh, Tony, that, you know, you mentioned was, you know, uh, when you do these mold inspections, you know, mold's a big issue. Um, you know, a lot of times we walk into situations, it's not healthy for us to be in those situations. And I know sometimes as code enforcement officers, we don't have that education to say, hey, you know, we use a, a moisture meter or we, we're using this because, you know, I, I, see, um, I see some of the stuff that you're doing, you know, on your social media that you're bringing these, these uh, you know, these tools and, you know, technology into it and, and to make it your job a little bit easier and, you know, and, and, and more thorough, but as a code enforcement officer, you know, when people walk into a house and it's just full of black mold, you're like, Hey, yeah. let me take a picture, you know, so yeah. <laughs> you're breathing being, you're right. Some, some of these precautions yeah. are being taken. So what are some things that you take on the inspection side that you think code enforcement officers should kind of maybe take, take note to when doing these types of inspections? Well, a, a couple of things. Um, recently there's been a lot more talk and there was a bit past that uh, about uh, uh, inspector safety and I know there's a big push in our industry as code enforcement officers to to provide more training for safety and it's not just our safety from from harm um, you know because unfortunately you know 
people get aggressive sometimes and, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, safety also includes, you know, walking into a room that is, that has mold all over the walls. Um, our safety also includes, I had one last week that, uh, it, it's a typical sad situation, uh, elderly woman living in a house in complete disrepair, uh, hoarding condition, mold everywhere. Um, the way that we got us, the Humane Society um, had re recently removed something like 50 cats from the property. And she still had at least a dozen or more cats through the property when we went in. No running water, no power, no heat. Um, she has to have been in her 80s. She's still living there by herself. And we literally had to go full hazmat uh, to get in there wow. with the respirator, with the Tyvek suit over our heads and the booties and the gloves and just everything because we knew we had we were lucky enough to know what the conditions were before we walked in and so we were able to take the right precautions and even then when I got out of there I I ended up having to go home um, because it, it was so bad that it, it seeped through even the Tyvek suit and when I got out of there the smell of cat urine just was all over my clothes my hair everything and I went home I called my wife on the way home and I said hey can you put out some clothes for me in the garage and I'm gonna get changed in the garage before I even walk in the house and then I'm gonna go straight up and take a shower and um, but that that is an extreme case right. but we do walk into to things where um, we, we really should be more aware of our surroundings as far as things like mold um, I walked into a place that I could swear there was no evidence there, but given the smell, I could swear that they were cooking meth mm. um, because because it was so strong uh, that it immediately irritated uh, my bronchioles, and I had to walk out. And you know, those are the things where I think um, as code enforcement officers, we we need to be more mindful. And there there should be now that we have you know some of these uh, these laws in place, there should be more of a push for inspector safety. Um, right. As far as environmental uh, aspects, now of course you know there's the the precautions that you take walking into you know a potentially hostile. Uh, um, uh, situation and that kind of stuff, but you know, uh, you know, you, you brought up mold, and um, so yeah, I think as an industry and uh, as a whole, we need to pay more attention to that. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you know, you talked about an extreme case, you know, but you know, and you talked, you touched a little bit about those, those, you know, walking into a, a potentially meth um, infested home or however you would want to <laughs> say that. Um, but really, what are what are the going to be those key factors for you when determining what type of PPE or precautions that you're going to need to take um, on an everyday visit for just a basic home inspection? When not getting any info. <laughs> I think about, uh, um, you know, for my private business, I, I have a backpack that I carry okay. and I have everything from a dust mask to an N95 to a full blown respirator. I have gloves, I have booties, I have pretty much everything I need. And I wish that it, as a code enforcement officer, we would be equipped with something similar to that. Um, and I, I, I've been in places where you know, nobody wants to, or, or it's just uncomfortable 
um, using it because mm-hmm. you're walking into somebody's home and obviously they're comfortable living like that. Um, but the moment you put on that mask and you put on those gloves, um, the the temperature in the room changes because the uh, homeowner is like, well, why are you wearing all of that stuff? You know, um, and I've seen a lot of code enforcement officers who, who hesitate to, to put on the PPE. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, if I'm going to walk into a place and I, and I walk in and I immediately smell uh, raw sewage um, or I immediately see mold on the walls and, you know, moisture, um, or I immediately see, you know, like the one that I just did, you know, a dozen cats in the place. And you can smell the urine. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to the car and I'm going to put on the, the respirator, regardless of what anybody thinks. I'm going to put on my, my latex gloves. Um, and if need be, I'll put on my booties and, and, and walk in. Or I'll just say, hey, you know what? We're going to have to come back another time um, because this is, this is not a, a, a safe environment. And I'll let management know and say, hey, look, I, I don't feel comfortable in... Uh, in, in this environment, we have to make other arrangements or, or be better prepared uh, to come back, like, like this extreme case that we just did. That makes sense. And so, I think, oh, go ahead. No, no, by all means, go ahead, Pete. No, I, I think, you know, in our industry, that's that should be a standard, um, having mm-hmm. some, some t- a Tyvek suit, uh, gloves, uh, goggles, um, you know, uh, shoe covers, you know, I, I'm telling you, it's, um, you know, you never know when you're going to use it. And, you know, I've been called out to uh, slap houses, you know, with the police department where they go in there, they go in there and they're like, oh, my, my Lord, look, look at this place. It's such a mess. We walk in. I'm like, no, 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 I got to go get my suit. And they, they look at me like, why do you need a suit? But, you know, at the end of the day, some of that stuff is hard to wash off. Like you said, you know, um, yeah. you, you told your wife, hey, I'm going to change in the, in the, in the garage. You know, for us, it, that stuff stays in our nostrils for a couple of days, and it's, it's hard to shake that, uh, shake that urine smell, or you know, it's it's just hard. Sometimes it's a, uh, you know, especially with those, um, you know, with uh, fleas, they're attracted to light white, like white stuff. So when you come out, you're covered in fleas. You know, so yep. you have a suit, which if you didn't have that suit, it'd be all over your regular clothing, and you're taking that stuff yeah. home. So, yeah, I think it's important for code enforcement divisions out there to actually have some sort of protective, uh, personal protective equipment out there with them at all times, because you never know, you know, it's, uh, you know, like you said, that, that meth, uh, that meth smells, it soaks into the walls and, you know, that's hard to, to get rid of urine. It soaks into the walls, into the flooring. It's hard to get rid of. It's one of those things that not, is not necessarily quantifiable. Um, but my concern has always been because I've been doing this for so long and I've walked into, I've crawled under buildings, I crawl into attic spaces and, you know, and, and I, I'm exposed to a lot of dust and mold and stuff like that. My concern, and even as a code enforcement officer is long-term, um, you know, walking into this place that has obvious mold in it or walking into a place that has cat urine and yeah, you're exposed to it for a few minutes, but then you're exposed to the next one. Uh, down the road, and then you're exposed to the next one down the road, and it's not immediately quantifiable. But long term, what health, you know, uh, uh, concerns is that going to cause for us? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think we need to to be equipped with the right PPE and and not be afraid to use it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and be mindful that, like you said, there could be long term effects from things. 
So having that gear with you, you know, whether that's a go bag in your in your truck or the bag that you take with you every day with your duty bag, um, having yeah. that protective equipment is extremely important. We don't Absolutely. want to. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I equip my uh, all of my guys in their cars. I, I just recently <laughs> bought them uh, and we replaced theirs. We we recently bought them new uh, first aid kits. Awesome. And I got these really extensive first aid kits because one of my guys, unfortunately, he, he was uh, in an attic checking out a heating system and one of the panels came down, hit him in the face, broke his tooth, oh, cut no. him. And yeah, so I was like, okay, we, we have a lot of um, safety training. We do regular safety training, and which I think we should be doing uh, as code enforcement officers as well. Um, tailgate you know, safety training yeah, and, and videos and stuff like that. And, and equip them with, um, with their first aid kits and we're setting up uh, first aid certification for them as well. That's awesome. Um, because you just never know, you know, and as code enforcement officers as well, I, I walked into one, uh, I've been bitten twice by dogs and ended up wow. in a clinic. Um, I walked into a place like we were saying where it was really, really bad inside. And then, 24 hours later, I get a call from the um, real estate agent saying, hey, just thought you might want to know the guy was hospitalized with tuberculosis. There I was in the room without a mask for an extended period of time. And so I called my manager and he's like, all right, stop what you're doing. We'll get somebody cover your, your uh, inspections. You need to go to the clinic and get uh, a TB test. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think we should, uh, you know, as an, as an industry in whole as code enforcement and even in home inspection, we need to have a bigger push for safety. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and one, of, one of the safety uh, trainings that we had and somebody's they're going to be on our show pretty soon. It's, um, you know, in, in, in animal safety, you know, because I, I, I've never dealt with animals. I know Rachel deals with animals and, you know, and part of her duties, um, you know, we, my trainee, <clears throat> my trainer, when I started code enforcement, used to be a dog, uh, you know, animal control officer. And, and it's funny because I remember this one time when we went to a home and she yelled at the dogs, you stay out there, you get out of here. The dog literally was running towards us, stopped in his, their tracks. <laughs> so then she yelled at him, he took off. And I was like, wow, I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't realize that dogs <laughs> or, you know, they, they stop and listen. I'm like, oh, to me, it was like the most amazing thing. <laughs> So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure Rachel can tell a million animal stories. Animals are an interesting <laughs> breed, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, you just never know. I, I I was bitten by a golden retriever the first time of all things. Um, <laughs> what did you do to upset that golden retriever? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I walked into the backyard. It was a hoarding situation. Clearly, the dog was not happy. And so he came at me and I thought he was just going to be playful because he's a golden retriever. <laughs> and now he decided he wanted to have lunch. And uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was the end of the inspection. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so when we talk safety, you know, I know that not everybody wants to hear these words all the time. But, you know, how did COVID really affect um, on the home business side? You know, when we talked PPE, um, did that change your um, you know, thought process in going into an inspection or did it in fact make it even better? Cause you know, we talked, we touched a little bit about those folks who do get offended when we put on protective gear. Um, did COVID kind of help that hurt that? How did that work for your business? Overall, I think it helped, um, right. because it became the norm that everybody was wearing PPE. Right. 
and um, and it became the norm for us as home inspectors as well, uh, because while you were you know trying to protect yourself from getting COVID, you're also protecting yourself from a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so overall, yeah, I, I think it was it was a positive thing. Like I said, everybody kind of expects now that you're going to have something on your face when you walk in the door in right. somebody's house, and it, and and nobody really gets offended. And um, but yeah, it did. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, Mr. Escamilla, I do have a question, and and I know it kind of um, relates back to what we first talked about. But you know, in all of your experience as a industry professional here, um, multifaceted, um, you know, do you have you ever been a part of a municipality that doesn't have a home inspection type of program um, in the sense of just very basic blight nuisance code enforcement, and how that really affected? The community, or did you see an effect on the community? Um, I haven't been. Uh, I, you know, luckily for me, I've spent all of my code enforcement years with the city of Pasadena. So I've been in one municipality. Um, I've been with them for I'm going on 14 years right now, and um, you know, I've been lucky enough to to do that. But I am, and and we do have you know a, a very big. Um, active code enforcement department and we do the property maintenance and complaints and we also have the housing you know apartment buildings and that kind of stuff and, um so uh, as far as that city goes i think we're, we're doing okay um but i have you know as as a home inspector like i said i've been to everywhere from long beach all the way up to stockton california okay. uh doing inspections and um so I see a lot of things and I hear because I, I keep in contact with the realtors and what cities are doing what and which programs each city has for inspections and what are requirements. Like Pasadena has a point of sale inspection that's required when you sell a house. And so there's a few cities that, that do. And we visited with some of these cities. I think Azusa was one of them. Um, there's one near Long Beach, um, and, and so they have all these inspections. And so, unfortunately, not all cities are like that. Um, right. Part of it because they don't have the programs in place. Part of it because they just don't have the resources uh, in place. And, and and it's sad to to walk in these in in these cities because the moment you get in, as I'm driving, the moment I get into certain sections, for example, of South LA you see the dramatic change in the quality of the buildings and the maintenance. And, you know, when I get called out to, to do an inspection there, I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, I, I don't have to worry. I, I don't have to necessarily just worry about the building. I'll have to worry about my car. Um, you know, I have to worry. I literally have to worry about my safety because, you know, I had one where I, I happened to have to park because there was nowhere else to park to do this uh, apartment building inspection right in the middle of a tent city. Mm. And there were literally drug deals going down <laughs> in front of me. And um, I get it. Uh, some, some cities are, are, are more limited in resources uh, than others. And, you know, they can't pay attention to every, everything. Um, but uh, I wish they could. You know, Tony, in, in California, starting July 1st, uh, 2022, you know, any time any code division receives uh, any type of interior um, complaint, code enforcement has to respond. You know, and that's you guys have been doing that for forever. I mean, it's part of your housing inspection. Mm -hmm. 
But there's a lot yeah. of jurisdictions that just see the outside ugly kind of deals. And, you know, it's a rude awakening to a lot of them that now they have to go and, uh, you know, if they get a mold complaint. Normally they would call the health department, the health department will go out there. Now it's code, div- code divisions that are going to have to do this. And, you know, so there's a lot of training that needs to take place. I know with, um, with the International Code Council, we have a training in about a week. You know, yeah. uh, we're doing the, in- the introduction to interior inspections because some jurisdictions yeah. just never done it. Same thing yeah. with the, uh, you know, point of sale. You know, a lot of times people buy these homes. You know, we, you know, I've experienced this myself. Hey, we bought the house that way. And then code enforcement came down and then something happened. Yeah. And then we have to buy eat the cost for that. And, you know, doing these, uh, you know, point of sale inspections, sometimes you as a home, uh, as a code official, you see these, uh, you know, illegal additions. They're like, hey, that's, that needs permits. It needs to come down. It needs to get legalized. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. But like you said, a lot of these jurisdictions just don't have the resources. You know, they I don't. Yeah. 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 And, and going inside, one of the things that, that I have, uh, um, seen over the years is that one of the things that you have to take in consideration going inside somebody's home is that person's demeanor. Sure. Because uh, you never know what you're going to get. Um, we have been places where the people are offering us cookies and, and donuts and stuff like that. And, and we have been in place places where we're literally being cussed out uh, when you walk in the door. And uh, or, or thrown out, and it is a rude awakening. If you if you're not used to going into people's homes, one of the things to take into consideration is you know the, the person that you're you're going to be in the room with, and and your safety with the person that you're going to be uh, in the room with as well. Um, we had a home inspector, sadly, um, a few months back. It was about mid year last year who was shot and killed. Um, doing home inspection, the real both the realtor and the home inspector were shot. It was a family dispute, and I ran into some of these as code enforcement officer as well. Where the realtor will call us out there to do a point of sale, and there's a family dispute, and the person meets us at the front of the property and said, "You're not coming in here." Um, and you know, we've even had to have the police show up, and you just never know what you're walking into. And one of the things to keep in mind is is definitely who you're going to be dealing with as well. Sometimes it makes sense to go and bring somebody with you. If nothing else, just to to just walk with you and keep an eye on things that you might not be keeping an eye on. Yeah, situational awareness is always key, you know, when doing yeah. any type of inspections. You know, because, you know, a lot of times, even with home inspections, you really never know what you're dealing with. You know, it's code enforcement officers. You know, it, it's, it's hard people don't realize that how hard it is to be a code enforcement officer because we're not there to tell people they have the, the, you know, the, uh, the prize winning, uh, home <laughs> award, you know, we go out there and tell them, Hey, there's something wrong with your property. And that's why I'm here. Yeah. And it's, it's not, it's not always the cleanest, uh, you know, the message to deliver. I mean, there's a, there's a way to do it. I, Rachel's an expert at it. You know, she teaches a course on how to do, uh, effective communication and customer service. You know, there, nice. there's a part to what we do, you know, and, yeah. and you know, um, going out there and being authoritative, um, it's it's not always the best uh, thing. You're yeah. there to say, hey, I'm here to educate you. Like you said, education is always key. You go out there, you do what you got to do and, you know, say, hey, I'm here to help you. How do we how do how do we solve this together? 
you know, how do we get resolve this? So you can use my approach as we call it the Mary Poppins way to, you know, approach code enforcement or as, as Pete says, the Ned Flanders way. (laughs) (laughs) No, it works. Yes, it does. I I do call it the Ned Flanders. So if you ever, (laughs) the most delightful person ever, I'm like, wow, you're just like Ned Flanders. No, but you know, end of the day, you have to be the the person that says, "Hey, I'm here to help you." How do we how do we achieve this? Yeah, you know, absolutely. But you know, just just hearing the um, you know, and then ever how did you get into code enforcement? Anyways, so we 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 always ask that question at the beginning of the show. (laughs) So how did you end up in the world of code enforcement? So I, um, back in, in early 2008, right before the market crashed, um, I, I was doing home inspections and I was, I was doing okay doing home inspections. And, but I could see the upcoming crash ahead of time because I was out there and um, I'd be doing an inspection and, you know, and I see the the couple that's buying it and and not to say anything bad about it, anybody at all. And that's not what I mean is that, you know, I know that the man has a landscaping business and, and the lady cleans houses. And, and as I'm walking, doing the, the inspection, I'm hearing the, the realtor tell them, Oh yeah, you can, you, you can convert the garage. You can rent it for X amount of dollars. Um, yeah. Your loan is only, is only, you know, X percentage. And but what they failed to tell them back in, in, in 2008 and leading up to that crash is that, yeah, your interest, it was an interest only, and it was going to readjust in, in about a year or two. And they say, yeah, you can refinance. And guess what? When the time came, they couldn't refinance and their mortgage payments doubled. And uh, it was really sad. It was really sad. And I I saw this coming and I remember being home one evening and I had my laptop. I was watching TV and I always try to keep up with what's going on. And I saw the posting for an inspector trainee in the city of Pasadena. Um, And I was like, hmm, all right. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> let enough. me see. Let me see where this goes. And sure enough, I got called in to do the uh, the test. And I, I remember I got there and did the test, and it was just like basic math and writing skills. Now, I was expecting, you know, something more technical because I took a test for the city of LA uh, several years ago, and that was like that was like taking an ICC test. <laughs> um, it was. It was like yeah, it's pretty crazy, and so. Anyways, I got the interview and then I got the second interview and they offered me the job. And right around then, it's like you can see, you know, the clouds are moving in. So I, I took it as a trainee, even though I knew I was making less money, even though I knew I was, you know, I had more qualifications than my boss at the time. And um, but I remember one of my instructors at PCC, he was a retired uh, Alley County uh, building official. And he said, you know what, just get your foot in the door. Uh, just get in there. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Just get your foot in the door. And so I transitioned from from inspector trainee into a regular inspector, and that's where I've been um, ever since. And I love I love both jobs. Um, and so you know, like like I said at the beginning of this, is if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And you know, my my wife. Uh, jokes with me about, you know, when are you going to retire? And, you know, like, uh, you know, there's a famous author and I can't remember his name right now. His answer was famously the day before the funeral. So, 
Um, so yeah, it, that's how I got into, in, into code enforcement. And, and the difference in code enforcement is that I can actually, I can actually affect change because I have the authority to make that change. Whereas a home inspector, I don't. Yeah. You, you know, you know, what's funny is, um, you know, I, I sit on a lot of forums and, you know, watch for me, code enforcement never seems like work. You know, it seems like something that we, <laughs> we go out there, we talk to people, we, we get to meet people and, you know, we facilitate that, that change. And to me, once you see that change, it just, it's just awesome. It's in a sense of accomplishment in a, in a way. And sometimes you can walk away, you know, even though, yeah, you affect these people, but they say thank you for what you did for them. And to me, yeah. that, that's a reward in itself and it doesn't feel like work, you know. So when I, I see people like, oh, I hate my job, I hate this person, I'm, I'm like, you know, we're in the wrong business if we're doing that. I mean, we're here yeah. to facilitate that, you know, that positive change. And I think uh, yeah. sometimes that gets missed in code enforcement. But yeah, I see know. what you do and I, I see all your posts and all the things that you do in the industry. And I think it's awesome. You're, you're like me, you know, it's like if you love what you do, it's, it's, it's not hard. You know, I, I, I was joking just the other day, you know, for, for, you know, my, my fun is nerding out on my current book that I'm reading right now is on expansive soil. <laughs> um, it is nerd 101 um from the colorado we got tons of that yeah <laughs> exactly so um yeah you are but, a yeah. nerd yeah <laughs> but yeah you know another day i i think you know it's funny because you know you're, you're the only person i think can make uh funny memes on home inspections you know and, and it's funny because <laughs> I'll, I'll do nerd out on on code enforcement memes you know and it's to me, it's it's just funny because the people that get it, they get it, you know. They get it, yeah. yeah and, and to me, that's you know, like you said, we, I watch your stuff, you watch my stuff, and yeah. you know, we're we're just nerds like that, you know. It's, and it's funny because you know, I'll text uh, uh, Rachel, and we're just nerding out on something completely separate, you know. But it, it's 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 good stuff. But you know, and, and we do appreciate you coming on today. It's uh, you know, it's been a great conversation kind of like that difference between code enforcement and home inspections and how it ties in and just being able to like, just uh, create that nexus. It's just, it's just good. So thank you for coming on and we really appreciate it. Absolutely. Your time. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, it was, it was a great conversation and um, you know, I, you, thank you for all, all that you do for the industry because I know you are on, on top of, of things and I always see you at all the different conferences and the teaching opportunities and the show that you have on right now so you do you do quite a bit for the industry and i, I think we need we need to clone you two and you know just reproduce boom you know you need yeah. a few more like that isn't that the truth well mr escamilla thank you so much for spreading your wealth of knowledge with our industry leading professionals such as yourself um as pete said it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today we want to also thank everyone in our audience um, and thank you miss morris for your wonderful relevant conversation and comments um and you folks all have an absolutely wonderful friday thanks again for being here with us today sir have a great weekend. All right. Thanks. And we'll keep being nerds together. So bye, Absolutely. everybody. <laughs> <Cheers>. Bye. <laughs> All right. See ya.